We are carrying on our fully devoted series. In this series, we are looking at the life of King David. And we left the story with David, who had just defeated Goliath. And the reason that we're calling it fully devoted is in the book of Acts, hundreds of years after David had lived, hundreds and hundreds of years, the Bible says in Acts that David was a man who was fully devoted to God. And he was a man who had huge highs, he had huge successes, and he had massive failures and massive lows. But yet he was a man who was known as being fully devoted. And what we're trying to look at is how we at Life Central Youth, how we in Threads, how you and me, we become people who are fully devoted to God. Because we will all have huge successes in our lives. We will all have huge highs. And we will all have huge lows and huge moments of failures. But I would love us all to get to the end of our lives and God say, that was a man, that was a woman who was fully devoted to me. And we, like I say, we left David at the end of uh, the story of Goliath a couple of weeks ago in Threads Live. And this incredible moment where David saved the day, he was the hero, he was a national hero because he defeated Goliath. And we're moving into a new season for David. You see, David was a teenager when he defeated Goliath. And we're going to pick up the story in 1 Samuel 18, verse 6. And you can read along on the screens. It says, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and lyres. It's kind of like a homecoming um, after a football team has won a trophy. Everybody's coming out and they're singing and they're dancing and they're celebrating. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain in his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain, this song, displeased them greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me, only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. And it leads us into a new season because this season in David's life becomes the worst of times. And that's what we're looking at tonight is how can we be fully devoted in the worst of times? Because David is a teenager in this moment and he, this moment where, where Saul begins to get jealous leads to 15 years of hurt and pain for David. And it is an awful season in his life. Um, you know, most of you will know in May, uh, I had the privilege of leading our church mission trip to Albania. Um, and we went and hung out with the church that we're uh, leading, uh, kind of helping out to lead in Albania. And uh, it was my first time leading a mission trip. Uh, I was excited and nervous in equal proportions. Um, and we got there, we uh, kind of uh, hung out with them on the Sunday, we're part of their church service, uh, went and did the church in the afternoon, and then um, got started on the Monday doing some other stuff. And we were not only doing kids' work and youth work and hanging out with some of the older people and all that kind of stuff, we were also, two of the team were there to do some practical work. And we had Andy, who's uh, Matty's dad, Matty was on the drums, um, and Janine's husband, um, who was on the words before the worship, um, and also uh, Mark, who is a part of our church. They were both there to do some practical work, and they were they were kind of building a wall uh, that was going to help their parents and baby room just look a little bit nicer. 
And on the Monday, we were due to have uh, staff devotions with the team. And uh, we, I was trying to round up the team to make sure that we weren't late. And, and on my way down to go and, uh, go and just remind Andy and Mark of what that we needed to be in devotions, my phone rang. And I, as, as I went to answer it, I missed the call. You know that moment when you go to answer a call and you just miss it? And uh, it was a missed call from Vicky, Mark's wife. And uh, I just text saying, I've just had a missed call from you. Um, is everything okay? I assumed at first that it was, a, it was an accident. She said, no, I need to speak to Mark immediately. So I went through to Mark into the garage where they were working. I said, Mark, Vicky needs to speak to you. He called Vicky and I stood there as Andy went upstairs and I stood there in the garage and Mark went quiet. And he was on the phone. And whilst he was on the phone, he got to his knees and began to cry. And I thought, oh, flip. Something has massively gone wrong. And Mark hung up the phone and he cried. And I said, mate, what's happened? And he said, my dad died last night. And suddenly the worst of times came crashing into Mark's world. And we sat in that garage. We knelt down together. We prayed. And I said to Mark, Mark, whatever you need to do to be all right, we'll make it happen. If you need to get a flight and go home, we'll make it happen. If you need to stay, stay. If you need to go for a walk, do whatever you need to do to be all right. You can do it, mate. It's up to you. And he said, I just need some time on my own. I said, that's fine. I said, do you want me to go and tell the team? He said, yeah, please do. So I went up and I broke the, the, the news to the team. I, we, we prayed for Mark collectively and we, we kind of carried on with our, with our devotions. And uh, I sat in the devotions and I'm thinking, how, how are we going to navigate this situation? This is really difficult. This is awful, awful time for Mark to be going through. What are we going to do? And as we got towards the end of the devotions, we, we could hear some bangs coming from outside. And then we could hear soaring. And, we, and I was thinking, that sounds like somebody at work. And as I realized, Andy also realized, and me and Andy looked at each other across the circle and kind of nodded and gave like a little smile because Mark had gone straight back to work. And Mark had decided that he was going to stay. And I chatted to Mark later in the afternoon. I said, mate, what do you want to do? And he said, I, need, I think I need to stay. I want to stick around and stick to what God has called me to do this week. I don't want to drop everything. You see, Mark had every right to give up and go home. He had every right to just get on a plane and come home because it was the worst of times for him. But Mark is a man who is fully devoted to God. And Mark said, you know what? Even in the worst of times, I'm going to stick to what God has called me to do. I'm going to stick out what God has called me to be a part of this week. And, you know, this is what we're looking at tonight. In the midst of the worst of times, how can we live lives that are fully devoted to God? And, you know, I think one of the key things for us is living lives that are fully devoted to God involves being fully devoted even when there's an excuse not to be. Even when there's a justifiable reason to give up and go home, how can we live fully devoted to God? And for David, um, we're going to look into what, what he went through and how he responded. And I'm going um, to be using some of the notes from uh, a talk that Leon gave uh, a number of years ago in this church. And can I just say as a side note, like 
I know we say this a lot, but Leon is a phenomenal communicator. He is a world-class church leader, and we're so lucky to have him in our church. Like We've had an amazing weekend of communicators coming in, Paul and Priscilla and Phil and Grace and Glenn last night as part of iGrow. Um, and, and Leon stands amongst them because he is an incredible communicator, and I'm really pleased that he gets to lead our church, and I don't um, have his job because it's a very difficult job. Um, but... But David goes through two main pains. The first pain that David goes through is the pain of conflict. You see, when Saul gets jealous of David, this conflict erupts. And and Saul almost can't control it. In fact, in 1 Samuel 18, it says that Saul throws a spear at David. Check it out. It says, the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. It's almost like jealousy rose up inside Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he held it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Not once did he throw a spear, but twice. And let me say, when we're trying to live lives that are fully devoted to God, people will throw spears at us. Hopefully, not literal spears. Probably not literal spears, almost definitely not literal spears. But people will throw jabs at us. Why, why are you going to church? Why do you keep going on about this God fella? Why, why, why aren't you coming out with us? When we try and live lives that are fully devoted, people will throw spears at us and insults at us. It will create conflict within us. People will be jealous of us. Even other Christians will throw spears at you. Because you living a life that's fully devoted to God shows them up. And they begin to go, what are you being all holy for? Oh, sorry, I'm not as holy as you. And when we live lives that are fully devoted, other Christians can begin to throw spears at us and begin to get jealous. That's what's happening here with Saul. And you know, the pain of conflict can really eat us up. It can consume us. You know as well as I do that if you fall out with somebody and you're in the same room as them and you're really angry with them, it consumes your thought patterns. It consumes your mind. You know where they are in the room, and you know that they're looking at you even if they're not. And it can consume you, and that that pain of conflict can take over. And Jesus says we've got to deal with it quick. He says in Matthew 5, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, that means if you're coming to worship, and you there remember that your brother, sister, friend, or mate has something against you, Leave your gift, stop worshipping, and go and be reconciled to them. Go and sort it out, and then come back and worship. Why does Jesus say this? Because he knows that we can't be fully devoted when we're consumed by conflict. When we're consumed by falling out with people. When we're consumed at being angry at somebody. We can't give our all to God. We can't be fully devoted. And Jesus says, we've got to deal with it. We've got to deal with it quickly. You see, David experiences this pain of conflict, but the other thing that he experiences, probably the more painful thing, is a pain of loss. You know, the pain of loss is one of the hardest pains that we ever experience. That's the pain that Mark was feeling when he got the news about his dad. And because because of the conflict, because of the jealousy that raises up in Saul, and because he starts throwing spears, David discovers that he needs to go on the run. David has to go on the run and goes into hiding. And he spends his, the next 15 years going from cave to cave, from hideout to hideout, avoiding Saul and his army who were trying to kill him. 
And because he's on the run, he loses all sorts of things. He loses his position. Like, he was the national hero. He was like, um, like the Harry Kane of Israel. Like, he was, everybody loved him. Everybody was like, you have absolutely saved the day here. And he went from that. He was anointed to be king. You know, the, the verse that Janine read out before, that was when, when Samuel anointed David to be king and said, you are going to one day be king of Israel. Like, imagine what was going on in David's mind when he kills Goliath and he knows that Samuel anointed him as king. He, will be, he would have said to himself, this is how I'm going to end up king here. This is God lining it all up. Like, I've killed Goliath then, you know, Saul likes me and now I'm going to be king. And all of a sudden, that's all taken away. He loses his position. He also loses his partner. Get this, right? David's wife was called Michal. Michal was Saul's daughter. Like, lads, if you've ever started going out with a girl and had that awkward moment where you have to go and meet her parents and you meet her dad, that is an intimidating moment in your life. If you've never experienced it, when you do, let me know and I will pray for you. But thank God that your, your future father-in-law is probably not going to throw spears at you. But here, Saul's wife, her dad is throwing spears, sorry, David's wife, her, Michael's dad, is throwing spears at David. You see, and what happens is Saul, Michael's dad, he, he tries to get Michael involved and tries to get her to manipulate David and, and it affects their relationship and there's, there's, a, there's a sense of loss there because when he goes on the run, he can't be with his wife and he can't have husband and wife time and you know special mummy and daddy cuddles that they like to have at the end of, end of a long day in the battlefield. Like He can't have all of that because he's on the run and having to go into hide and he has a pain of loss of his relationship with his wife. He also loses his best friend. He loses the closeness with his best friend. You see, his best friend was, was also one of Saul's children called Jonathan. I'm going to talk a little bit about their friendship in a moment. But they set up this thing to figure out if Saul is actually going to come and kill David. And they figure out that he is. And there's this moment where David realizes that he's got to go on the run and he experiences this loss. It's in 1 Samuel 20, verse 41. And it says, after the boy had gone, which was part of the, the kind of setup to figure out what was going on, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other, which isn't weird. In Middle Eastern cultures, friends, Blokes do kiss each other on the cheek. It's not like a snog with tongues or anything like that. It's just kissing on the cheek to show their affection. It's weird to us in, your, in, in English culture, but in Middle Eastern culture it wasn't. And they wept together. But David wept the most. See, David experiences pain of loss, losing relationships, losing things that are valuable to us, losing memories, losing all sorts of things that are so, so precious to us. It leaves almost like a hole inside us. And it takes a long, long time for that hole to be healed. The pain of loss is really, really difficult to deal with. And you know, I'd get it. If at this point the Bible went and all this happened and David went, sack it, I can't be bothered anymore. And then we moved on and found a different character. Like, I would understand, because this is awful what happens to David. 
And you see, the reason, one of the reasons why he's a man known to be fully devoted to God is because in this season, when he had every reason to give up, he pushes on and he stays fully devoted and he stays committed to what God has called him to. And if we are going to be fully devoted, I think there's some things that we need to consider and that we can learn from, from David of what he does in this time. Things that we need to consider when we are in the worst of times. The first one is who you have around you. Who you have around you is so, so important. David and Jonathan's friendship is amazing. The next time we do a series on on uh, friendship and, and uh, community and stuff like that, we might look at David and Jonathan because it's so good, the friendship that they have. It's amazing what, what they give each other as friends. And some key things from their relationship, they had loads in common. They were both warriors. They both were part of the battlefield. They both suffered rejection from the same man, King Saul. And in fact, they both rarely loved God. Both of them had God at the center of their lives. And therefore, at the center of their friendship was God. Guys, we all need people. who We, who, um, we all need friendships where God is at the center. We all need people in our lives that are going to push us on and spare us on to be more like Jesus. We need people that are going to call us to be fully devoted. But even though David and Jonathan had loads in common, there was loads they didn't have in common. They had vastly different upbringings. David was raised as a shepherd boy. Jonathan was raised as a son of a king. He was raised in the palace. These boys were from different tribes. They walked in different circles growing up. They would have gone to different schools. They'd have had vastly different upbringings. Yet God brought them together in an amazing friendship. And I think what we can learn from that is we can look outside our friendship groups. We can look outside our cliques. We can look outside of the people that aren't like the. Sorry, we can look outside of the people that are like us and meet people that we can be friends with that will add richness and value to our lives. And I think, actually, Life Central Youth, we're really good at this. I think one of the things that helps us do that is crews. Like loads of you um, in your friendship groups, you don't all do the same crew every time. You sometimes split up and go and hang out with different people. Like we, we don't have a huge clique problem in, in Life Central Youth at the moment. You guys are all great at looking outside your friendship circles, looking, looking and being friends with different people. And I think adding, adding um, diversity into our friendships is really, really valuable. The other thing is that they sacrificed loads for each other. There was a cost for Jonathan to be in friends with David. Because Jonathan was friends with David, it cost him his relationship with his dad. See, friends sacrifice stuff for each other. Friends won't tell you that you can't be friends with someone else because they're not friends with them. A real friend will love you no matter who you're friends with. They also gave each other loads. You know, Jonathan in this season... Um, because Jonathan was around David as much as he could be, Jonathan gave David security. David knew that Jonathan would be a friend behind his back. David knew that Jonathan was trustworthy. That when Jonathan was meeting with Saul, when things were happening and David wasn't there, David knew that Jonathan wouldn't sell him out, wouldn't go and tell people where he was hiding. Jonathan also gave him sight. He helped him to see that in, even in the darkest of days, even in the hardest of times, that there will be an end to this and there'll be a way through because God is a way maker. He even gave him strength. It says in 1 Samuel 23, and Saul's son Jonathan went to David and helped him find strength in God. 
you know, great friends stick with us in tough times. Great friends help us to find strength in God when we need it. When we're in the worst of times, it's so important who you have around you. It's so important that you, you make sure that you're around people that can help you, that can spare you on towards God, that can give you strength, that can give you security, that can help you see that there'll be an end to it. Guys, if you've got a Jonathan in your life, if you know that you've got friends that do that for you already, tell them, thank them, tell them how much they mean to you, tell them how much you value them. If you don't have those people, let me say this, don't go looking for those people to be that to you. Go and be that for other people. Don't go looking for someone to be a Jonathan to you. You go and be a Jonathan to somebody else. You go and be that friend to somebody. Find somebody who needs um, needs looking after, who needs a good friend in their life, and be a good friend. Be a good person for them to be around. The second thing that we need to consider uh, in the when we're going to be fully devoted in the worst of times, is who you talk to. Who's heard of the book of Psalms in the Bible? Give me a wave. Nice waving, some of you. Um, so the book of Psalms is like a collection of poems and uh, songs and writings. Um, that Some of them are like really happy. Some of them are uh, a little bit challenging to read. Um, but David wrote most of the Psalms that's in, the, in that book. And actually, he wrote a lot of those psalms in this season of his life. When he's on the run, when he's going from cave to cave, when he's in the worst of times, he writes loads of these psalms that are like worship songs. That he writes these incredible words that the people back then would have sung like we sung tonight. And, and it's not like, oh, Jesus, thank you for this cave. It's so lovely. Jesus, I'm so happy to be on the run. Oh, God. Like, they're not like blind, like, oh, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Like, some of them are like heart-wrenching. Like, it's proper wrestling with God. He, he doesn't hold back. He, he, he laments, which means like he proper whinges and whines and has a go at God. But by the end of, of a lot of the Psalms, he comes back to sticking to what God says. He pushes through. In Psalm 27, David says, I am confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In Psalm 34, he says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my foes. In Psalm 62, it says, He alone, God alone, is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. You see, David knows that in the worst of times, he needs to be talking to his God. He needs to be worshipping. And we're going to talk about worship in two weeks' time. We're going to talk um, a, an awful lot about that. But, you know, I've been blown away in the last couple of weeks by people's worship in our church. You know, you may have heard, if you've been about on Sunday mornings, that, that uh, you may have heard Leon talking about Paul Bridgewater, who passed away around about a month ago. And uh, I've been blown away by Karen and Ryan, um, who Karen is his wife and Ryan's his son. You know, on the first Sunday after Paul had passed away, uh, I was on the front row and we did communion and uh, Karen and Ryan came forward together holding hands. They came and they took communion together and they stood and they hugged and they cried and they prayed together and they went back to their seats. You see, they knew who to talk to. They knew who to bring uh, their, their pain and their hair to in the worst of times. And they've been at church every Sunday because they know it's important to be worshipping God. 
in my role, um, I have I'm in a privileged position that, that I get to support people, I, I get to help people, I get to get to uh, find out um, what's going on in people's lives and, and be there to support people. And you know, when I when I know what's going on in people's lives, when I know that people are facing the worst of times, it's amazing to see how they worship God. And you know, there's been a number of times in the last in the last few weeks where I've just been blown away by the situations that people have are facing, they had every right to give up. They have every right to quit and move on and forget about God. But they're there and they're worshiping God. And worship is so important when we're in the worst of times. What you stand on when everything is crumbling around you defines whether you are fully devoted or not. And you know, David wrote these words in Psalm 73. He said, my heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I remember uh, one of the last times that I went to see my nan before she passed away. Um, she'd, by that point, she'd lost her mind. She was confused. She didn't know what year it was. She didn't know um, who any of us were. And me and Laura, we went to see her um, in the nursing home that she was in. And we, we got there and we went and we stood in the doorway um, of my nan's room. And my nan had a, a little CD player on. And on her CD player, was some worship songs, and they were old hymns that my nan used to sing when she was a teenager. And like I say, at this point, she didn't know who I was. I would walk in, and I would, she would greet me like a stranger, and she would do that, the same thing with all of her family. But yet, when we stood in the doorway and she listened to her worship songs, my nan knew every word, and she sat in her chair, a frail old lady, and she sat there singing along with her hand in the air, worshipping God. Because her heart and her flesh had failed, but she knew who her saviour was. She knew who her God was. She knew that God was her strength and her portion forever. And I want to be like that. I want to be like that. When I face the worst of times, when my heart and my flesh fail, I want to know that God is my strength. And I want to be a man who's fully devoted to God in the worst of times. The final point and then we're going to respond in fact band if you could come back up to the stage that would be amazing and the final point is when we're going through the worst of times it's really important who you listen to at the at the end of this kind of 15 year period of David's life where where he's on the run this moment falls into David's lap and bear in mind the amount of pain and and torture that David must have been through in this season of his life, he has this moment come, come into his lap. Um, it says in Psalm 20, uh, sorry, 1 Samuel 24, it says, he came to the sheepfolds along the way. This is Saul um, they're talking about. He came to the sheepfolds along the way. A cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. He went in to a cave to have a wait. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. And then it says, then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. There's this moment where David and the lads are at the back of a cave. They're hiding. And the very person that they're hiding from walks into their cave to have a wait. And all the lads are going to David. This is the moment. You know that fella that's been trying to kill you for years? There he is. And he's having a wait. 
like you are never more vulnerable than when you're on the toilet. And here, Saul, the man who's been trying to kill David, is on the toilet. And David has an opportunity to kill him. And he has every right to. He has every right to go up and kill him. But he doesn't. He chooses not to listen to the lads. He chooses to listen to God. And he makes a decision. He goes off and cuts the corner off his robe and he and he follows Saul out the cave and, and it all gets sorted out to a degree. But you see, people who are fully devoted do the right thing even when there's every excuse to do the wrong thing. People who are fully devoted when they have every reason to give up on God, when they have every reason to turn their back on God, when they have every reason to do the things that they know they shouldn't be doing, people who are fully devoted choose to press in, choose to be obedient, choose to keep going, choose to do the thing that they know they should do. And I want to finish by praying for some people. Um, Talked a bit about strength, about how Jonathan came to give David strength in God. I talked about my heart and my flesh might fail, but God is my strength and my portion forever. And I wonder whether some of you are in the midst of what you feel like is the worst of times. And you feel like life is crumbling around you you want really badly to be fully devoted to God but you just say I haven't got the strength when we're in the worst of times we need the strength of God so here's what we're going to do in a moment I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask anybody who feels like they're in the worst of times and need the strength of God, I'm going to ask you to stand just where you are. And then I'm going to ask people around you to just pray for you. And I'm going to pray from stage. And then we're going to sing a song that we've been singing a lot lately, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. My God, that is who you are. Because when we face the worst of times, we need to know that we follow a Waymaker. God's a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. So why don't you close your eyes with me, guys? Father God, I I thank you that you stand with us in the worst of times Father God I thank you that you don't abandon us that you don't leave us that even though our heart and our flesh might fail that you are our strength and our portion forever
God, I pray now that you would come and you would meet with us. That you would give to us what, what we need in order to be fully devoted in this season that feels like the worst of times. and you feel like you are in the worst of times could you just do a really brave thing and stand to your feet that's great thank you sat down could you just have a little look around and see if there's somebody near you that, that's standing and if there is if you could just stick your hand on them and all I want you to do is just pray Holy Spirit come that's all you're going to pray okay and we're going to wait and let them meet with God so make sure nobody's left out if some leaders could come down the front that'd be great as well Father God, we pray for these people that feel like they're in the worst of times. God, I pray right now that they would know your strength. God, would you fill them now? God, would you give them Jonathans in their life, people? that they can have around them that are going to encourage them that are going to stand with them God I pray that you would give them sight to see what you are doing God I pray now that you would fill them with your strength God, I pray that these will be people that live lives that are fully devoted to you in the midst of the worst of times. And God, I pray as we sing this song that you are a way maker. God, would you give us sight? Would you give us the sight to see where you are leading us. God, would you show us the way through these circumstances? God, would you build our faith? Would you build our determination that you are the way maker? God, I pray that you would help us all to be people who are fully devoted, whether it's in the face of giants or in the midst of tough times, in the midst of the worst of times. God, I pray that we would be people who are fully devoted to you. In your mighty name. Amen. Guys, if you're not standing, I want to invite you to stand. And let's sing this song together as we as we finish.
way maker, miracle worker, a two goddess.